Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast, where we tell each other stories and learn from listening. So Sarah Ranzau. Yes, that's me. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Okay, so this is cool. I promised my students, I said, I will talk to educators uh, and hear about their passion. Excellent. And you are a passionate educator. I am very passionate. I just finished my doctorate in literacy. So my goal, and my students are very upset with this, is to teach teachers. So what I like to tell them is we have fewer crappy ones in the world. Because unfortunately, we have a lot of teachers right now who were just trained very poorly. Uh And there are, there's that small smidgen of educators who are in it for the summer. Yes, right. So So what makes uh, an educator a good one or a crappy one? I think what makes an educator a good one is um, they take the time to get to know their kids. Mm -hmm. They care about them. Um, they are passionate with what they do. If it's something that, um, you know, there's always those things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. They tell the kids, this is going to be tough, but we're going to get through it together. They're honest with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I'm sure you had some of these teachers growing up. I know I certainly had teachers growing up that I was like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. You know, why? You look at me with disdain, like, why Why are you in this classroom with me? Um, so for me, that is what I classify as a crappy teacher, someone that makes the kids feel like they're not worthy. So you teach in Texas. I do. And you've lived, uh, is that where you've That's lived? That's where you, I've lived. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. Yep, and I taught all over in, in different parts of the state. Yeah, cool. And uh, so how is... Uh, the state of education in, in Texas, is it? I think it depends on the district. Okay. Our more affluent districts, um, they do better. They mm. have more. They Their parents don't have to work three or four jobs to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. In, our, in our more poverty-stricken districts, they do worse because those kids go home and they have to take care of siblings. They have a job of their own. They don't have the opportunity to make school the number one priority in their life mm-hmm. because survival is the priority mm-hmm. so it it really depends on the district give, give us some titles what books have helped like have you given students that um, have helped them yeah. see that um walter dean myers pretty much anything by him uh, um right now a book that i am passing around my classroom kind of religiously is all american boys every kid in america should read that book i really firmly believe that i shake every kid's hand when they come in my door uh, and I tell them, if you're having a bad day, that's your chance to tell me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not feeling well, and most of them take me up on it. If they have, I said, if you've gotten in an argument with a teacher of the class before, you don't need to come in and me ask you to do something and you blow up. That's that's not going to work for any of us. Our year is going to be difficult. So tell me, communication is my thing. Yeah. Be honest with me. If you hate something we're doing, tell me, God, Randall, I think this is lame. Great. Tell me why. Right. I may not be able to change it, but tell me, you know, have yeah. a voice. And I think too many of us especially at the high school level, are afraid to let our kids So, okay, Daniel Bruno, I'm doing uh, On the Fly's, or Dan Bruno. Works the other way. <laughs> I'm doing On the Fly uh, NCTE just uh, talks. And, and so you're a teacher, English teacher um, from Pennsylvania, from, from Philadelphia. Yeah, well, Virginia and Philadelphia. Virginia and Philadelphia. So um, mostly trying to capture passionate educators. So what, do you, what makes you one? What makes me a passionate educator? Uh, I haven't gotten bored at all with it because of what the challenges that come with every day of teaching are. You know, every day I go in, I can't do the same thing twice because every day there's a new group of people or a new challenge or a new requirement of me that challenges me to be better than I am already. That's awesome. And so your position 
is like really unique though. Can you describe that? Uh, so I do teach English. I, I teach a, a special ed co-taught level of junior English. And that's followed by an AP level of senior English, which is already enough of a, of a rubber band to break your brain. But then I follow <laughs> that up depending on the day with web design or introductory programming. That's amazing. And what's your school like? What's the, what are some of the you know, points of your school? Uh, well, we're a, a smaller uh, school district because we're only about five square miles big. Okay. Uh, we're right outside of a major city, Philadelphia. Yeah. Chestnut Hill is, is literally the next thing over. And that's okay. a, a major neighborhood of, of Philadelphia. Um, but we're right on the outskirts, uh, so we've got a nice, diverse mix of people. Uh, generally, the farther away you get from cities, the more normative the population becomes. So because we're so close, there is no normative thing about it. What, what, what are the gains of that diversity um, to a classroom, to growth as students, as teachers? Uh, well, it's interesting to me how much every year that I teach in this district, the different voices from students of color, especially in the honors track, uh, seem to be getting stronger because they have begun more representation in the classroom. Whereas in years past, our district has been particularly one color. And as more people from different backgrounds are moving into the area or the district is kind of expanding who is going where, um, that is changing. That panel, that profile is changing with that class. and. The conversation about like, who has what voice in the classroom is really just starting for that, that group of students. And so you, you kind of see the conflicts and the, and the struggles of, of finding that empathetic stance of understanding other people really beginning for these days. Sure. So um, I'm Sarah Crane. I am presently the K-12 Literacy Coordinator for Stafford County Public Schools. It's a medium-sized school district in central to northern Virginia. Um, before that, I was a high school literacy coach. I'm also a past president of um, the Virginia Association for Teachers of English, so a state affiliate for NCTE. Um, I've also been their professional development chair as well as their advocacy and outreach chair. Um, and that last position has really come to prominence in the last um, few years mm. over some uh, proposed legislation and, and action that has um, occurred around our school board and, and our General Assembly. And, and that action is around censorship? It the, is. Okay, of literacy. Uh, of, of literacy of literature, um, but also of other works that our, our students are exposed to. And I think that, you know, the question that you started with is so compelling because you asked, and I might be paraphrasing, um, but, you know, do stories matter? Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, approaching anything, one of the really complex aspects of that is that, of course, stories matter. Mm -hmm. um, but it's important to keep in mind, particularly if you are in a position of advocating for something, that everybody has a story mm -hmm. and that the opposing person's story is just as valid and, and just as important mm -hmm. um, as yours. And I think that sometimes, especially when we throw around very charged language like um, either censorship yeah. on our side of the, of the situation or protecting our children yeah. uh, on the other side, that it is easy to lose sight of some of the humanity and you mentioned empathy um, that exists. And it's not until we can really um, 
have a sense of compassion and, and understanding the, the human on the other side of the situation, that we have a chance to, to push past that, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. I'm concerned that, so the, right now the parties are not seeing the human side. <laughs> it's it's very easy it's very easy to boil things down to um, to a central issue, and so in a nutshell, what happened was about five years ago, a parent um, in one of our northern counties, her student, who was at that time taking AP English 12, um, selected a book from the AP list. It was beloved. Mm-hmm. Little little book, a couple <laughs> yeah. people may have heard of it. Yes. It won an award or something. Um, but anyway, yeah. um, and it has some incredibly uh, graphic scenes that, yeah. within the context, um, are not not only completely appropriate, but but really serve a purpose in terms of of transforming the reader and forcing the reader to to confront the issues of, in that text. And this parent was uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And they challenged the text at their local level. Um, and rightfully so, the, the challenge was not upheld. They said, we're not going to remove this you know, from our curriculum. Okay. Um, so that's the first, that's the first domino okay. that we can say, we're not going to remove this from our curriculum. But we can still understand that we need a relationship with that parent. And we need to understand that concern and think about, you know, why this situation arose in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, unsatisfied with that result, she began a five-year wow. um, press to have, the, the language was initially sensitive and controversial, um, but that changed because there was public outcry from the other side. That was very vague language. Yeah. So, um, they have now consolidated that and said, okay, we're going to say sexually explicit. Okay. Sexually explicit language. Um, and that is defined in the Code of Virginia. It was actually um, created uh, as a definition to govern <clears throat> the um, use of computers by public employees. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, these are things that you can't look at. So we have a whole list of, of definitions and things that are excluded. Um, this went before our General Assembly last year, um, and long story a little bit shorter, ended up um, passing the beloved bill, but our governor vetoed that, um, and said this is really the purview of of our school board, and so now that's that's where it is, and when it comes to seeing both sides of the story, a lot of the outcry from teachers and other organizations um, talks about censorship. It is indirect censorship. They're not saying you can't teach it. They're simply putting parameters on it, which will lead to it not being selected. Right. Um, so they're dismissing that argument. That argument's not landing. And the other argument is, well, it's going to create an undue burden. Notify, notify parents uh-huh. of this language. It would create an undue burden. And again, that argument is not... It's not meeting that core need uh. that this person and their organization um, needs to have met in order to feel, in order to come to a place of, of compromise or, or settlement. Um, 
we are in we we are in a time where we have so much access to information, yet we find ourselves in bubbles. There's there's a whole um, there's a whole sort of app, I forget what it's called, that, that'll make sure that you only hear news stories you want to hear. And I'm like, how much more dreadful could that possibly be? <laughs> and so, we're not even talking at this point about you know, evaluating good information, bad information, sources, any of that. But even finding places um, to explore ideas and experiences that are different from our own. And that through that, we, we, we cultivate um, that empathy, that 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 idea of the vastness of experiences, and I don't have to agree with them. Mm -hmm. I don't have to conform to them. But if we're not going to have difficult conversations and explore those things in an English classroom, I'm not really sure where the place is. And I think that the willingness and ability to to think through some of those uncomfortable things is so critical for these citizens that are going to become active and engaged, we hope, in our community after graduation. Uh, so Erica Beaton, Dave Stewart Jr., you are educators, you are uh, readers and writers and speakers, and you are passionate people. That's awesome. But why? Like, what, what is it, what is it that, would you, how would you label this profession? Would you say that it's a calling? I hear that sometimes. Yeah, I would say it's a calling. Um, the lining up of, we, we like it, enjoy it, enjoy kids, enjoy the learning that's a part of it, and then, um, and then but there's also a huge need for it too, so there's a big need in the world for teachers. So that's why I say calling. Yeah, I say calling in that, you know, there's that desire, but then each of us have been given these strengths that work to that calling to say, you know, in my room, you know, I offer these things to my kids, and in your room, you offer these things. And that's what supports kids in those, you know, those interesting ways that they grow and, you know, that they make a difference in the world. For what do you want to advocate for in your own classroom? Mm. Um, I think just for me, it's that schooling is about human flourishing, teachers and, and kids both. I want to continue to advocate that we make schools places where that can happen. And uh, that means resisting policies that diminish flourishing and and just and also resisting the stress-induced pull of um, turning the turning our work into a like like a like a technician's work. You know, teaching is not a it's not just a technical uh, job. It's a it's a profession. I I I share that same. Mount Everest view, you know, the long-term flourishing, but then if I, for this conference in particular, if I come down the steps of the mountain a little bit to think about it in terms of, as an English and a social studies teacher, how then can the work that I'm doing be authentic so that later on when, you know, they are leaving my classroom, that they are flourishing in a way that is meaningful to those disciplines and that are real to those disciplines, that it's not just 
feeding them content, but it's getting them to really dig into content in an authentic way. What is it about kids and teaching kids that you love so much? I, it's what I said to my Uber driver this morning. I mean, <laughs> they make me laugh every day to start. And then they, they amaze me with these wonderful things that they say. I was telling Dave an example. We were reading the other Wes Moore, and I had, it's a humanities class, so it's English and, and U.S. history. And this kid just said this amazing thing. We were talking about family upbringing in urban settings, and he said, well, you know, isn't it just like the Compromise of 1877 that pulled the troops out of the South? And everyone else in the class just went, boom! Like, <laughs> look at that. They, they say these amazing things, and it's just, you know, you see the those connections in their brain, and you see it where it's going to last. And you say, yes, they get that, and they understand how that, that works in the world. It's awesome. Kelly Gallagher, how are you still inspired after inspiring so many people? Um, I'm inspired by my kids. I'm inspired by the needs of the kids that are in my classroom every day. Uh, when that stops inspiring me, then that's the time I'm going to get out. I'm also, you know, inspired by coming to NCTE and meeting my friends from Michigan and, and from other places because I uh, think about, you know, it's a cliche, but my old master teacher said, you know, there's two kinds of teachers in the world, those that have taught one year, those that have taught 20 years, and those that have taught one year 20 times, right? And mm -hmm. so I try to follow the Tom Newkirk rule of mm -hmm. being a 5% teacher where I try to get 5% better every year. And I think when you stop striving to get better, it's time to get out. So, um, that's why I'm here. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode. And don't forget to submit works of art and writing to our website to spread a little more empathy.